Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12 of the Little Aussie Podcast. Uh, it is me, Dawson Haywood, your host. Unfortunately, TK is not with us again this week, but no need to worry. We still have a pretty pretty full slate of topics to cover because the last time we met two weeks ago, a lot has happened in the sports world. So before we start, this podcast is brought to you by OK Listen Here Media. We are no longer OK Listen Here Sport Media. Is OK Listen Here Media. We are starting to branch out into other ventures such as entertainment, tips, tricks, maybe news. You know, who knows what is to come of this? But OK Listen Here is starting to venture out into other avenues of media and really just kind of give you know the common everyday person a platform where they can come and and write about, you know, whether it's sports or entertainment or news or just daily life. You know, if they want to, if they want to come up and write about something that they're passionate about or want to start a blog or podcast or whatever the case may be, an online store, again, whatever the case may be, um, you know, okay, listen here is starting to open up to that. So with that being said, uh, best way you can support, go Either follow us on Facebook at OK Listen Here, visit OKListenHere.com, or you can go follow any of our representatives on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Dawson Haywood. Um, that's the best way that you can support us right now and, and help help this thing grow. Uh, but with that being said, let's get into the meat of, of this podcast. Um, so I guess we're going to start hot here. The, the first thing... I want to talk about is this whole ordeal with Brian Flores. And I get that this is a very touchy subject because it does have to deal with race. And, and there are some things that I don't understand that, that are going on in our social world. But um, essentially, if unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you know, these last two weeks, essentially what's gone on is, is Brian Flores is accusing NFL and teams for not giving them a fair shot at, getting a head coaching job. Um, He, uh, he has obviously, he's made the Dolphins a a winning team again. And for the first time, and I don't really remember how long it's been. I'd have to, I'd have to look it up, but it's been, I think it's been since like 2003 since the Dolphins have had back. Yeah, it was 2003 since the Dolphins had back to back winning seasons. And, for the first time, the Dolphins get a head coach to bring them back to that, to that back-to-back winning. And and from the looks of it, with with Tua developing and them getting some talent down there in Miami and developing some of the young guys down there, it looked like they were kind of on their way up. But kind of where the issue lies in Miami and the development was, um, if this is true, you know the whole integrity of 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 the NFL is just in question right now. And, and honestly, as, as someone that loves the NFL and has been watching the NFL, it, it's heartbreaking to hear that this could even be a possibility. And I'm not going to say any one party is right or wrong. I'm just going based off of what I've, you know, what I've seen. And, and you know, I'm just regurgitating it via this podcast. But allegedly, um, the Dolphins owner offered Brian Flores $100,000 for – every single game that he lost and how if this is if this is true and how the NFL has not 
you know, done anything about this, again, if, if this is being true, um, I just, I question, I question the NFL and, and whether or not I can really, I'm not going to say watch it because it is entertainment, but it's still going to be in my head. Like is what I'm watching real, you know, and I, I, the, the best example that I can give to kind of relate to, to give something for my audience to relate to is, I mean, think back to, I think it was a 2015, 2016 Super Bowl when the Carolina Panthers and the Broncos were winning. You know, everyone's, everyone was, everyone was questioning with Cam Newton and the way he was playing. I mean, he just, Cam Newton really looked like he was the best quarterback to ever come through the NFL. That 2015 NFL season was unlike any other season. And, this might – I'm trying to stay as least biased as possible here, but I think everyone can pretty much agree that that 2015-16 MVP season that Cam Newton had is just unmatched. I mean, it, you, you about can't top it. It was that impressive. And so if it comes out that the Dolphins head coach really did offer money for Flores just to lose games – it makes me question, like, okay, a team as talented as that Carolina Panthers team was, did they lose that Super Bowl just so that Peyton Manning could go out on top? Were they paid to lose that game? And so, like, it's just the whole integrity of competition is in question. And I think I, – I don't – I think if it does come out to be true, I think this could potentially trickle into into other, you know, pro sports too. You know, I think investigations will be launched in the NBA. I mean, for for example, like LeBron James and the Golden State Warriors, two, you know, LeBron James obviously sells tickets, and then the Golden State Warriors are an arguably one of the biggest markets in the NBA. It's good for basketball to have that rivalry going on. I know we're talking about two totally different sports here, but it still makes you wonder, like, if the NFL can have us fooled, then who's to say the NBA can't? You know, who's to say all these other sport professional sport organizations can't have us all fooled? And it just this whole thing is if it comes out that Flores was really offered a hundred thousand dollars for every single loss to tank just to get good draft picks, it opens up a whole new avenue of 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 questioning. And I truthfully do not believe or trust that the NFL will do their due due diligence to to correct this if true if it is true i think the nfl will do their best to hide it um that's just who the nfl is and and roger goodell you know what what people don't really understand is that roger goodell works for those owners he's not going to make the nfl look bad regardless of what people think he works for the owners and if there's even a whiff of him going against the owners they will have him fired it is an owner driven league and Roger Goodell will be out of there quicker than you can blink if something comes up and this does not – and he sides with, with Brian Flores. So that's just my two cents on it. And, you know, you can have your own comments or questions on it, but that's – that's you know, I, I try to keep my opinion out of it, but th- those are the facts that I know and, and those are just my thoughts on it. So we'll move on from that. There's, again, it is a touchy subject, and I don't want to say too terribly much – and speaking out of context, but we'll we'll move forward with uh, divisional round recaps. Um, first off, 
we have the 49ers and the Rams. And, uh, you know, I wish the 49ers would have won um, <laughs> just because the 49ers are Chicago Bears 2.0. And speaking of my Chicago Bears, they have got, they have literally gone through so many changes in personnel and, and staff personnel that I had it in this podcast to review each and every single one of them. But even as I was typing out the prompt of this podcast, they were still adding more people. And so I figured I would just save it until I'd save that topic until another week once everything is all final set and finished. And then I'm sure by then new players like Devontae Adams will be coming on board or something crazy. So I might have to start a whole new Chicago Bears podcast. Um, But anyways, the 49ers and the Rams, I didn't watch much of this game. Most of it I just heard. And actually, I'm going to look it up on ESPN right now um, just so that I'm sure that I have my facts straight. But this game, the Rams are on fire. I I think that's that's pretty obvious, and and no one needs to be told that. Um, The talent is is definitely there. Um, Hang on while I pull this up. Sorry, not very professional of me, but you know what? Y'all going to have to bear with me. So, okay. So, the score was 20 to 17. I have an ad. That's always fun. The score was 20 to 17, so a pretty pretty defensive game, I would say. I think whenever you have a total of less than 40 points, I mean, so that's a pretty defensive game right there. Um, Matt Stafford played pretty good, 337 yards, 31 for 45, two touchdowns, one interception, two sacks. And then how'd the rushing do? Rushing, not much of a rushing game. Cooper Cup did Cooper Cup things. Odell Beckham looks like an actual decent football player. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's just all off of statistics. I, I don't have much to go off of, but... The Rams are in the Super Bowl, and and you know they're on fire. They've been they've been blowing it up in these playoffs, and so I think it's well deserved that they're in the playoffs. But moving on to to <laughs> to the game that everyone's talking about, the Chiefs and the Bengals. I mean, holy crap! <laughs> um, nobody expected this. Nobody expected this out of the Bengals, and I know I'm just speaking to the choir here, but I, you, 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 at this point. There's, it's hard for me to to piece words together, <laughs> um, but I think there's a lot of people there's a lot of people that, that it can kind of be the same way, um, because what we witnessed over in the last round and throughout the whole playoffs is, is something that I don't think anybody expected. Um, you know, at the beginning of these playoffs, I thought. You know, okay, the Bengals are going to be in. They're they're in the playoffs. Whatever, good for them. And you know, they're just going to be outed. And then, of course, they go on to win. Um, and they beat the Titans, and and they just keep on going and going until they finally get here. And now they're in the Super Bowl. And you know, it, it weirder things have happened, but the Titans could have just been a fluke. You know, that's that's just one of those games where it's like, okay. You gotta have one underdog win in the divisional round, but then they go and they beat the Chiefs after getting the ball second in overtime. And so, I feel like the Bengals should have a little bit more attention than what they do have, because I think everyone's sleeping on the Bengals. Um, I do think it's hard to argue that that the biggest reason for the success of the Bengals right now 
is Joe Burrow. Um, <laughs> I just think he brings a whole new confidence to that team, and I think confidence is everything. And, uh, you know, I, I saw a TikTok the other day, and it was uh, Bengals tight end. And basically all that he said was, you know what, Joe is right. Enough of this, why not us? It is us. And I just think that is such a powerful statement. Um, I, I think that proves that Joe Burrow and his confidence is is contagious. Spreads to the whole team. I mean, we even saw with the kicker. You know, before he kicked the ball, he was like, "Looks like we're going to the, the looks like we're going to the AFC Championship." And sure enough, they went to the AFC Championship. Um, and so, while the Rams are talented and they are projected to win, and they're better in every single category. I do not think any of that matters right now. I don't think any of that matters. I think these Bengals are they. If we saw these Bengals throughout the entire season, they would have gone sixteen. No, absolutely no doubt. And I don't think that there's any. It's going to be difficult to stop the Bengals. Um, I, <laughs> if you're sleeping on them, if you're sleeping on them right now, you got to wake up. Um, I do want to remind everyone that <laughs> the LA Rams are comprised of a lot of players who did find difficulty finding success somewhere else. And they just went to, you know, the biggest market, the biggest city with the biggest names to go play at. And so I think there's a lot of individual personalities there. I don't think that there's a lot of team going on. That could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I just think there's a lot of people out there for their own self gain that are, playing for the Rams, and I feel like at this point, all these personalities have gotten together, and like I've said about the Dallas Cowboys this year, I just feel like the Rams think that they are just owed a Super Bowl. I think that they believe it is their God-given right to win a Super Bowl this year, whereas I think with the Bengals, there is that sense of team, there is that sense of confidence, and and you know, I want to fight for the for the man next to me, and and all that, you know, that cliche stuff about what makes a good team a team. But, you know, there, there's a reason that it is now a cliche. Um, it, it, I I just – I think the Bengals are being way too slept on. I think they are too much of a good team to, to sleep on. And so that brings me to my Super Bowl predictions. Um, it – even after saying all this, it, it still is a little difficult for me to say this, but I do think the Bengals are going to win. Again, for one sole purpose, it's the fact that most of the guys on this team are, are there to be a team, whereas most of the guys in L.A. are there to either secure a Hall of Fame career and win a Super Bowl, or they just want to go somewhere that that contended. And, you know, all the guys in Cincinnati, they don't go to Cincinnati to contend for a time. I mean, if you're a professional athlete you go to contend for a title but if you go to Cincinnati you cannot be thinking okay yeah we're gonna win the Super Bowl this year but I just think there's too much of a team going on right now in Cincinnati for them to be beat so that's my prediction for the Super Bowl I do think it is going to be a close one um the Bengals are gonna have to show a good defensive effort like they have this postseason um but I again I don't see any reason as to why that would slow down especially in this game um but i would love to be in the in the city of cincinnati this time of year and right now so 
that's all I got on the Super Bowl. Um, I guess we'll see how it plays out, and we'll talk about it next week. We'll recap it next week. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk about the darn Pro Bowl and how much of a joke it is. I um I was very active on Twitter during the Pro Bowl and just you know looking at what people had to say and you know joking around with people talking about oh man that was such a hard hit because I do think there were there were a few times where people actually you know they got tackled to the ground I was like oh man surprised that wasn't a like roughing unnecessary roughness or something like that but I've seen a lot of a lot of old heads saying how this this year's Pro Bowl was just an absolute disgrace and you know being named a Pro Bowler is a it's an honor, and, and it's something that people should take more pride in. And, you know, I can see both sides to the story. You know, on the one hand, you have the guys that think, you know, the Pro Bowl needs to be taken more serious, and, and you know, it's an, it is an honor to be there. You know, you're, you're voted on to be on that team because you're you're the best of the best. Um, and, and so I do think there needs to be some way to make what goes on between the conference championship and the Super Bowl, I think there needs to be something that is actually entertaining to watch. Because honestly, you could have put every single guy out there in in flags and not pads. And I think that would have been more entertaining, <laughs> to be quite frank with you. Um, but th- there's got to be something changed. Um, because on the players' end, it's like, you know, why would we risk our bodies – and multi-million dollar deals for a game that counts for nothing. And so I see both sides. I do. And I, I will side with the current players just because, I mean, it, 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 the NFL and all their might and all their wisdom and all the brains going on in that in, in the, the league as a whole, surely they can come up with something that is just as entertaining as old Pro Bowls and something just as honorable as, as the Pro Bowl and being voted on. And so uh, it just – the NFL can do something better. And why a multi-billion dollar business can not come up with something – I'm not sure if they're multi-billion. That might just be speaking out of my rear end there. But why they can't come up with something that's both entertaining, fun for the players, doesn't put any bodies on the line, you know, uh, why they can't come up with something, why they haven't heard the voices of the players and the fans and haven't gone with – these ideas and ran. I don't understand. I probably will never understand, but I don't make the decisions of the league. I know it all boils down to money. I'm sure there's a lot of money to be made in the Pro Bowl, so I won't question it. But that's all I have for NFL talk. Um, well, I was going to talk about the Chicago Bears and all the all the coaching changes, and I'll just I'll keep it short, simple, and sweet. But I, I am I am I'm pretty hopeful for the Bears. I know I had said with with George McCaskey and his interview that I wasn't, but I I am hopeful for the Bears' future. I think Justin Fields has a good support staff around him now that are going to be able to look and listen and analyze and see where things need to be adjusted and tweaked so that he can perform to the level that we expect him to. Because the thing is, while Justin Fields is super athletic, what is more impressive is just how smart he is. And, you know, we saw before he was drafted, his ability to recite plays in the entire playbook, that is something that has to be taken advantage of. 
And I do. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were not going to build a support staff around him to do that. And so, with a young quarterback coming in, and I think that has made, I think that has made the Chicago Bears a very interesting and nice place to be as both a coach and a player. And I think that's why we're we're starting to see rumors of these big name players being interested in coming to Chicago. So, I. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful for the future of the Chicago Bears. But I'm going to take a short break here. And hotel doors are slamming. But we're going to take a short break here. And then we're going to get to the NCAA football. NCAA football. What? What? As I paused that, I kind of realized, like, I should have just said college football. But, you know you know what, guys? It's it's one oh two in the morning right now. It You know, I get – my brain is fried. It's been a long day, okay? So, cut me some slack. You just cut me some slack. So, <laughs> college football. What a freaking – what a freaking mess of a – just – I don't even know where to begin. I really don't. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll start with this. Um, so uh, recently we put out on OK Listen here a place where, you know, you have the AP poll, you have the coaches poll, you have the college football playoffs poll, and, you know, you have your top 25 and, and all that fun stuff. But what I have not seen out there is a place where fans can come in and they can – they can vote on on what it is that they want to see and what it is that, you know, who they think is the number one team. And so I'm here to report that. So we had a few people vote last week, and we'll we'll put it up again this week. You can find it on the OK Listen Here uh, Sport Media blog. Uh, we'll link it to this podcast as well. But here's what we have. Tied for first and second, we have Alabama and Georgia. The, the, that's just how the voting goes, and uh, I should probably explain the point system. First place gets 10 points, second nine, third eight, and so on and so forth, all the way to 10. Number 10 gets one point, obviously. So we have number one and two at Georgia. Three is Ohio State. Four is Michigan. Five is Cincinnati. Okay. I respect it. Number six is Oklahoma. I also respect that. Number seven it's Texas A&M. I respect that one, too. Number eight, Baylor. Nine, which this one shocked me a little bit. But I think it's because – I do think it's because they're just – they do have the talent, and it's Clemson. So, Clemson. Clemson is your number nine team. And then sneaking in at number ten, we have Oklahoma State. So, that's what we, that's what we have right now. And – that is, you know, you can go on the OK Listen Here Sports blog, and you know you can make your you can make your uh, cast your votes there, and we will we will report every single Wednesday. So, to move on from there, we have Brian Kelly, who is trending on Twitter right now for dancing with his recruits, and. We all saw kind of just the cringe-worthy moment where he was dancing with recruit Danny Lewis, <laughs> and 
if you haven't seen it, you got to look it up. Just look up Brian Kelly dancing with recruit, or just Brian Kelly. You can probably just look up Brian Kelly and and just find the video because it's all over Twitter. And if if you want a good laugh or just want to cringe, just go look it up. But that recruit that he was dancing with in the video, Danny Lewis, ironically, he's going to Bama. So <laughs> that's just that's just kind of a you know that's just a funny little tidbit. Um. So, uh, in one of the blogs that I wrote this week, i uh, kind of changing paces here. In one of the blogs that I wrote this week, I, I went in and I broke down, you know, as an Oklahoma fan and, and as someone who, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know, you know that I'm going to talk about some Oklahoma. But um, <laughs> I tried to put my bias aside as much as possible for, for the blog that that I created. And, of course, I'm, I'm going to make USC look absolutely terrible. But, um. I, I'm literally just going to read off of this blog. You were getting a verbal blog, so bear with me here. But it'll make a lot of sense, and I'll recap it at the very end. So here's what I got. And if there are some grammatical errors in this, it's a blog, so shut up about it. Here we go. I have a biased opinion, so let me go ahead and get that out of the way. Okay, see, I addressed that I have a biased opinion. But I will try my hardest to put my bias aside. I make no promises. Since meeting a girl from Oklahoma, dating her, and now being engaged to her, I've had to make the effort to keep up with the University of Oklahoma football team. I've made this effort for two reasons. First off, I write about sports, and if Oklahoma is mentioned in anything that I write, her family comes flooding to read it. Oops, botched it. Her family comes flooding to read what this guy from North Carolina has to say about their beloved Sooners. Second, to understand 90% of the conversation that is happening you must know what is happening in Norman, Oklahoma. So that's that's how I get to her family. I have to keep up with, with the Oklahoma Sooners. Just, that's how I got her father to say yes to me, is I knew enough about the Sooners that, that he said yes to me. So men looking at dating girls from Oklahoma, take notes. Back to the blog. We all know the reason for the movement from Norman to L.A., name, image, and likeness. L.A. historically attracts big names, is where people go to make a name for themselves historically. So when the NCAA would inevitably pass the rule allowing players to profit off of their name, image, and likeness, we knew these players would begin rushing to bigger cities, bigger teams, and more prominent brands. Pause. Oklahoma is a big brand, okay? It, it Seriously? Seriously? Like, Oklahoma is a big brand. Arguably bigger than USC. More relevant than USC is right now. Or was. USC is just relevant right now because of Oklahoma. Okay. Turn off the pause. LA County. This is where I'm going to get really analytical. LA County is home to over 10 million people. Whereas Oklahoma has under 4 million people. But do not let the numbers fool you. In May 2020, a report was put out by College Football News on attendance over the previous five seasons. Oklahoma was ranked number 13 overall with an average of 85,750 attendees per game. And USC was ranked number 22 with only 66,250 attendees per game. Oklahoma over five years has surpassed the maximum amount of people that their stadium could fit. On the other hand, USC has struggled to get 85% of their seats filled. These statistics mean nothing to a new college athlete, and money talks, and reasonably so. Money does talk. So let's talk about money. I did some digging as to how far you can take a dollar in both of the locations, Norman and and L.A. 
So let's say hypothetically, Nike signed an Oklahoma athlete for a million dollars a year for the next three years while you were still playing ball. To make that money go just as far as L.A. as you can in Norman, Oklahoma, you would have to ask for a $1,025,961 pay raise. And my source is bestplaces.net. Take a look at it. It's actually a pretty cool site. To make matters worse, in the state of California, you'd also be paying almost double in taxes, if not more than double. So, I hope every athlete and coach that transferred from Oklahoma to USC bumped up their pay at least, bare minimum, bare minimum, 100%. If I know one thing about Oklahoma fans, this is my concluding paragraph. If I know one thing about Oklahoma fans, their passion for their players before, during, and after their time with the Sooners is it is it, it is unmatched. Truly, it is unmatched. <laughs> I have seen I have seen members of my fiance's family. They will talk about people that have been gone from the program for 50 years and they still love him or love that athlete. Like they love freaking Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. It, it is, it is, it is insane. I'm talking like 50 years ago, this dude graduated from Oklahoma. It is, it is insane. So in California, football is just something that happens to be played on the weekends. There's a thousand other things that people could be doing besides watching Pac-12 football. But in Oklahoma, football is what people live, breathe, and die for. Like, literally. Oklahoma football and Oklahoma State, as much as I hate to admit it, it influences the entire culture of there. So, oh, this is my final sentence. My final two sentences. The culture of the state of Oklahoma is heavily influenced by football. And when I say heavily, I mean I mean it 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 is it is nuts out there how much football runs the lives of these people i'm not hating on it i <laughs> i about want to move out there just for it i've tried to convince sydney to move out there even but she's like no i want to move to tennessee but that you know whatever but no life out there is football people love their football and so by moving to california you you not only lose the value of a dollar but you also lose the respect and love of people that are going to respect and love you unless you do wrong in your life, but they're going to respect and love you until, you know, beyond your death and beyond your playing days. And so in California, you might have a few people that do that, but in the state of Oklahoma, it just football means something different. And it, 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 I think it's hard to argue that. I think it's hard to argue that when, when you know you've got this group of hardworking and just wanting to put a roof over their families' heads, and they want to work hard and put food in their bellies and have a comfy bed to sleep in, and then you know they they work hard and then they get to go on Saturdays and watch their team play, and that is that is their joy, that is their joy in life. Whereas in LA. You know, you can just be passing by the stadium and be like, oh, that's happening. Let's go watch it. But then, you know, seconds later, you can just find something else to entertain you. In Oklahoma, it's – I'm not going to say it's impossible to find other ways to entertain yourself, but it, it really, the most exciting thing happening in Oklahoma is Oklahoma football. And so it just – it really does mean something out there, and it's what it's what everyone talks about. Like, I've I've been with 
with my fiance for this is probably a number I should know. What a year and a half ish, year and a half, probably a little bit more than that. But it's always something new. It, anytime I go around her family, it is always something new with them that I'm learning about Oklahoma football. And so it just you lose that culture in California. You know, you have your few people that donate a lot of money year in and year out to the USC program, but it you just you cannot it's hard to find a fan base like the Oklahoma fan base you know i'll just take north carolina for example you know around here if you're a sports fan you pick either duke carolina or nc state and back in the day you know it it was kind of kind of the same thing you know people picked their team and then they just went with it and but even still you know i can watch carolina basketball and it's historically good as they are and how much I've enjoyed watching them over the course of my life. It's still like, okay, if they lose, it's like, it's not going to put a damper on my week because I can find another, you know, another way to, to entertain myself and, and just, just move on from it. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well the Tar Heels lost today, whatever. But if the Oklahoma Sooners lose a game, it is like their whole week is ruined. <laughs> Because it's like, what else are you going to talk about? How many inches the freaking, I'm probably going to say the wrong crop here, and I'm pretty sure Sydney will correct me on it. But it's like, you watch Sooners football and they lose, but then it's like, okay, what do you, what else are you going to talk about? How many inches the corn has grown this week? Like, like there ain't much more to, to talk about out there. There ain't much more to do. And I, I kid you not, that is the basis around, 95% of the conversation of Oklahoma Sooners fans. So it, it just, it, that's my tidbit and on, on, on the move from, from Norman to LA and just what I have kind of to say about it. So that's my Oklahoma Sooners talk for the week. Um, we're, this was actually sent in by TK and him and I were going to do this together, but again, they're just, there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on in in each of our lives that we just we have to we have to take a minute to you know we have to realize that we're kind of doing separate things right now we're getting our lives going and and so we have to take time to ourselves and so TK if you're listening to this love you brother wish you were here for this we miss you but you're always 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 welcome on this podcast so. There are a few debates going on, and I'm here to settle them. The first off is, who is the real UT, Texas or Tennessee? And so, I got handy-dandy Winspedia pulled up. I'm not going to go searching for it. I've already got it pulled up. Look at me being prepared. So, we're going to settle it. Who's the real UT, Texas or Tennessee? First off, the current win streak, Texas holds at two. The streak has lasted between 1953 and 1969. 1969, they played in Dallas, and Texas won 36-13. 1953, Texas won 16 to nothing, And in 1951, Tennessee won 20-14. So, record to record, or head-to-head record, Texas 2, Tennessee 1. So, take that how you will. But then you go down, and you look at kind of all the accolades. Texas owns Tennessee in all-time record, 
conference championships, bowl games, all-time wins, bowl record, consensus All-Americans, Heisman winners, NFL draft picks, weeks in AP poll, and weeks at AP number one. Where Tennessee has an edge on Texas, and these two might be the deciding factor. Like, you, you can debate it. But Tennessee has more national championships than Texas and has more first-round NFL draft picks than Texas. So to some, national championships count more. But if you're talking historically, I would probably say because Texas has more wins over Tennessee and then all those other accolades that you heard me list off, I'm saying that Texas is the real UT. So... Debate that in the comments. So now we have, who is the real USC? And I'm leaving my bias out of this, just to keep things straight. USC, Southern California, or USC, South Carolina. Head-to-head matchup, most recently, was the South Carolina Gamecocks, who won 38-14, to and that was back in 1983. And then previous to that, USC won in 1980, 23-13. You scroll down to the accolades, and this is going to settle it. USC has a better all-time record, national championships, conference championships, bowl games, all-time wins, bowl record, consensus All-Americans, Heisman winners, NFL draft picks, first-round NFL draft picks, weeks in AP poll, and weeks at AP poll number one. South Carolina is above in absolutely no category that wins Pedia has. So for that, I think we can all come to an agreement that Southern California is <laughs> Southern California is the real USC and Gamecocks fans. You can be mad, but just know I'm not listening. You can shut up. Now we have the real OSU, Oklahoma State or Ohio State. So we look this one up, and this one's pretty lopsided too. So we have. Head-to-head win, okay, well, this about settles it, is Ohio State 2, Oklahoma State 0. Last time they met was in 2004 in San Antonio, Texas. Ohio State won 33-7. Previous to that, they met in 1989. Ohio State won again 37-13. So, take that how you will. In all the categories listed before, the only one that Oklahoma State has over Ohio State is their bowl record. And they have won 65.6% of the time, whereas Ohio State has only won 49.1, so less than 50%. That's actually 48th in the entire NCAA. Every other accolade that they have, they are in the top 10. So, they have a lot of number ones here, too. All-time record, number one. Heisman winners, number one was seven. First-round NFL draft picks, one at 85 and then weeks in AP poll, one and 949. And then they're number two at weeks at AP number one. And you know what? Let's go see if there's any other number ones. I don't think that there is. There is a number two at USC for national championships with 11. But other than that, they also have the second most NFL draft picks and second most NFL first round draft picks. But other than that, that's all that they have. And then between Texas and... Tennessee, yeah, none of them are even close. Uh, A lot of them are out of the top 10. But 
that settles those debates. If you want to go do your own digging, go do your own digging and let me know what you think in the comments. So we're going to conclude this podcast with a little bit of a, a newer newer sport that we have not covered before, and that is NASCAR. So initially, whenever I went to write my blog this week, I was going to write about the Bushlight Classic and because the Bushlight Classic in L.A. this weekend, and I like to make this joke, so I'm going to make it again. But they had to host a race there in that Coliseum because Lincoln Riley sure as hell ain't going to do it. But anyways, when it, it, this week was supposed to be strictly about football and the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl and all that stuff. But then the Bushlight Classic happened, and it decided to be awesome. And so I felt the need that I had to write about that. But then after doing research on an article about the Bushlight Classic, uh, I, I narrowed it down even more. And it, as it turns out, in my little hometown of Harrisburg, North Carolina, there is there is a racing team headquartered. I had no idea. I had no idea of this. Um, it, it is JTG, and someone can correct me, but I believe it's Daughtery, D-A-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. I'm just going to call it JTGD Racing, and that, even that is hard to say. But... After after finding out that Harrisburg, North Carolina, not Mooresville, not Concord, not Charlotte, not any of the cities or towns around Harrisburg that are home to a lot of racing teams, and I will say, Mooresville and Concord has so many. They have so many racing teams. But no, Harrisburg has one, and I just I thought that was a cool little tidbit that I didn't know before. Um, so the owners, Brad, Brad. Brad Darty, however you say it, I don't know. So again, someone come back and correct me, please, for the love of God. And then Tad, guess she. I don't know. We're just gonna say Brad and Tad because that's easy. Um, the they are the owners of this team. Why they didn't decide to call the team the Brad and Tad Show is beyond me. But whatever. Um, they came together and formed this team, and uh, so just a little bit of background. Brad played in the NBA after. Um, playing for the Carolina Tar Heels between 82 and 86. And uh, during his tenure with the Tar Heels, he was a two-time All-ACC Consensus All-American, ACC All-Tourney, and two-time NCAA All-Region. And from there, he went on to play eight seasons with the Cleveland Cavaliers, where he was a five-time All-Star, okay, 1986 and 87 All-Rookie, and a 91-92 All-NBA. You know who else was in the 91-92 All-NBA? Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman. So that's a cool little tidbit. Tad, you can find about everything you need to know about him on LinkedIn. There ain't much interesting about him. Um, but before opening a race team, uh, he was a, sale ma- a sales manager at Procter & Gamble for almost 11 years um, until he, he finally financed his own race team full-time. Uh, for the last two years of his tenure at Procter & Gamble, he, uh, he opened up his race team, and then eventually it was successful enough where he could step away from his sales manager position and, um, and focus strictly on his – on his uh, race team. And this is all according to LinkedIn, so take it how you will. Uh, since the team's founding, they've only won five races, and four of which uh, have happened in the Nationwide Series. So, it, you know, not much success there. The team's only cup win came in 2014 at the Cheez-It 355 at the Glen, or Watkins Glen, with driver A.J. Almendigger. 
driving the number 47 car. And in that season, in the 2014 season, they finished their best. They finished their best at the end of the season at 13th. So they haven't gotten past 13th and have never been in the top 10. So, um, again, there's, there's not a lot of success, but, you know, it's still a tidbit from my hometown that just I don't think gets talked about. And so currently Ricky Stenhouse uh, drives for – JTGD racing and in 2021 Stenhouse came second in the inaugural Food City Dirt Race in Bristol so you know that's some all these new cool races coming up I think I think we're going to start seeing some smaller names really really shine here I mean I know you need new a good car and all but I do think you're going to start to see some some smaller names start to shine in some of these smaller races um and then he placed six at the Alley 400 in Nashville and so that's kind of the reason that I think I think these newer races are going to give people a better time to shine because these are the only two times that he finished in the top 10. And these are two relatively new races or the, the Nashville one, I believe was an older race that they just kind of renewed, but they're not your typical races. And so again, I, I think this is good for racing. Um, so to build off of this from 2011 to 2013, the team was home to one of my all time favorite racers, which I did not know at the time, Bobby Labonte. And uh, unfortunately during his tenure there, they did not find really any success in the season. And their best finish with Bobby Labonte driving was, was 26. So yikes. Um, <laughs> but uh, at the Bushlight Classic in LA, Stenhouse placed 13th overall. So that's not a bad start for, for that little team out of Harrisburg. And though the team hasn't been able to find much success over the last few years, the fact that they finished 13th in this event, I think is hopeful. Um, and just because it was very interesting setup. You had like four heats and, and four cars won. And then there were the cars that didn't qualify in the heats. They, uh, they had like a last chance race. And I can't remember if it was like a top three or four or whatever it was that, that moved on. But um, there was only a select amount that moved on. And the fact that he was, he was 13. So that's, that's saying something. Um, and so uh, now that there's a team representing my hometown, it's, it's only right for me to have to go for him. Uh, and it, it would seem like the people of Harrisburg really seemed to enjoy the article I wrote about it. Cause it, it is now to this date, it is my number one most read article surpassing and Sydney, I love you. But it is surpassing my fiance's article about her and what the Oklahoma Sooners fan growing up in Oklahoma Sooners fan was like. And so that, you know, maybe I had to cover this racing team a little bit more. And, you know, that's that's my plan. And so I'm going to follow them throughout the season. And, you know, I think we got us a team here. And I think, you know, this season just strictly based off of this one race. And I know it's just one race. But I, with the next gen and all that fun stuff, I, I think that NASCAR is going to be real fun. And with all these changes happening, I think it's only right that I root for the team from my hometown. So with that, um, oh, okay. So I, I've actually got a comment here on this blog that I do want to read out. It's from Chris Almond, And he says, Hey Dawson, I've been doing business with JTG since their beginning. These are great people to do business with. Our town needs to get behind them and show their support since they do add to our tax base. One thing you left out was Tad's wife, who is also an owner. The couple is the epitome of what it means to start from scratch. 
You should research their history. It's great. So, I, you know, the fact that, that someone is reaching out and reading this article and, and saying, you know, kind words about these people like that, you know, I, I'm going to start advocating for them. I want to see this team do good, and I do think I do think it, it's a good thing to see a professional team out of your hometown, even if it is a race team. So, with that being said, that is all that I have for you today of this podcast. I uh, know it ran a little bit longer than my last solo, but I hope you guys enjoyed. This has been episode 12. Brought to you by OK Listen Here Media. Please, please, please go check out the page because coming, you know, I'm still working on getting some new projects put together and having more people come on board and, and do things that they're passionate about. If you yourself or you know of anyone that is interested in anything, literally anything, it can be sports, it can be Puppy Tips. Puppy Tips is our newest page uh, written written by my fiance and, and what it's like to raise a puppy miniature Australian shepherd. It's a crazy life, so there's definitely going to be some interesting content coming out of that. Um, but liter- like literally anything, I'm pretty sure I'm talking to my brother about doing something with, with uh, you know, he's real interested in anime and Star Wars, and so I think he's going to hop on board and start making content for that. Um, but if you have an interest, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you can reach out to me via Twitter at Dawson Haywood or. You can you can email me Dawson Haywood at gmail.com. Uh, if you're interested, come out and you know write about your passion. You know create some content and and you know build with us because that's the whole basis of this all. You know this is the reason we're opening it up is to have people with several different interests come together and and just express those interests and help build a community behind one another. So with that being said, if you're listening to this all the way to the end, thank you so much for listening. This has been episode 12 of the Little Aussie Podcast. Thank you for listening.